Hi, this is Chris Schmidt of Parallel, and we're democratizing easy access to great fitting fashion through AI-supported social commerce. I'm here on the edge of AI, democratizing access to top AI intel. Stay tuned. Hello, AI podcast passengers. Jump on in. Here's what's to come on today's journey. Find out about a humble founder that wants to make it seamless for you to get great clothes that fit while also solving the incredibly expensive problem of crushing returns for clothes manufacturers. And why one mom can pack a yummy lunch that leads to AI innovation. And learn about a super accessible online course that can put rocket boosters on any developer's journey into AI. All this and more, climb aboard. Welcome aboard the Edge of AI podcast. Snap into your safety belt to explore the depths of the rapidly expanding AI universe. Each episode is a dispatch featuring hyper-relevant reports from the pilots, pioneers, and passengers aboard the AI rocket ship. We explore the latest use cases and developments in AI, hear from experts building tech, and learn how this disruptive force is transforming industries and society. Welcome aboard. I'm Ron Levy, your captain for today's voyage to the edge of AI. Just like most of you, I've embraced the spirit of exploration and entrepreneurship throughout my life, from starting my own business before graduating high school to traversing the world's most challenging terrains. I've always sought out new frontiers and adventures. I built one of the largest award-winning custom home companies in Los Angeles, and most recently, I've navigated complex regulations while founding and leading a public company that is dedicated to applying technology and training. Buckle up and get ready. Let's tackle uncharted territories in AI today with curiosity as our guiding star. So today's episode, Chris Schmidt of Parallel, the social commerce platform making your fashion explorations shareable. I'm going to tell you a little bit about Chris, but this is going to be a super exciting podcast today. So Chris founded the world's first Snapchat filter company, GeoFilter Studio. And GeoFilter Studio exploded at an unprecedented growth rate of 24,000% over 12 months. And it grew to 85 employees in the first year. It was Canada's fastest growing company in 2017 and created over 100,000 filters that accumulated 5 billion views worldwide. Those are all astounding numbers. In 2018, Chris started Pluto Ventures, an artificial intelligence company with a world-class team backed by a strong group of investors and advisors. Together, they're building Parallel, a social commerce platform with users spanning 191 countries. Parallel is the fastest growing social commerce community for those who never know what size to buy when shopping online and want to find the brands of the coolest outfits on Instagram. So let's start with a little bit of background. Chris, when did you get into AI and how did it lead to Parallel? What was that journey like? Yeah, thank you for having me. Super excited to be on this episode. So I taught myself to be a software engineer about 10 years ago. I went through university. I was supposed to go into medicine, but I decided to start businesses instead. And about six years ago, when I started Pluto Ventures, I was seeing the early applications of AI And that really fascinated me. And so I was really interested in kind of learning the AI side of software engineering. And that kind of propelled me into the AI world. That was very early on. And I guess we should talk about where you're from, because I heard how you said about, if I want to correct you, (laughs) kidding, obviously. (laughs) Talk to me about where you're sitting now and where you're from. Yeah. So I'm based in Winnipeg, Manitoba, which is in the heart of Canada, middle of Canada. And I actually started my first company 20 years ago. When I was 10 years old, that company is still operating. It's a tree service company that protects Winnipeg's trees against Dutch elm disease. But over the last 10 years, I've been building technology companies focused on consumer technology companies. Yeah. And you've been doing it very, very successfully because I do know you were able to exit your first company and you grew it so fast and so large that it was time to exit and Mm -hmm. took those lessons. And now you've got Pluto Ventures and from that parallel. That's right. So let's get into parallel a little bit. And what are some of the problems with online shopping that Parallel is addressing? 
So the biggest problem when shopping online is you don't know what size to buy when you're looking to buy a new pair of pants, a new shirt. And there's been thousands of people trying to solve this problem. In terms of the scale of it, the some of the metrics we have are 40% of online purchases through e-commerce stores are returned. And 60% of those returns are due to wrong fit. And so this is a massive problem, both from a financial perspective for brands. And then what people don't realize is when you return an item, more often than not, that item is not being restocked and sold to someone else. It's actually going to a landfill. So there's environmental play here that we're also trying to solve. And so our primary thesis is if we can help people find the right size when shopping online, we can increase customer satisfaction, decrease waste, and kind of really solve the biggest problem. It's I've heard those stats before on the amount of returns and things, and it's baked into the companies now, right? But it's monstrous. It's monstrous. Yeah. To me, being able to solve that problem can double the bottom line, the positive bottom line on just about any company. I mean, it's got to be incredibly huge. Yeah. Free returns. It's killing companies. And you're starting to see now companies where they're imposing even a $10 return fee or they're shortening the window. So instead of having 30 days to return, you have 14 days to return. And they're doing whatever it takes to potentially decrease those returns because that's just killing the bottom line numbers. Yeah. I'm just imagining you sitting in a chair saying, I'm going to fix that problem. That's a big (laughs) undertaking. Did it start with that global sentence that I just said, or was it one piece at a time till you got there? No, that was the initial thought. Every company I build, I want to solve a bigger problem than the prior company. And the way that I view it is in my lifetime, if every company I build takes between five to 10 years, if I'm lucky, I can work till I'm about 90 if my wife allows me to, and I can only solve six to seven problems. So as an entrepreneur, if you only have six or seven chances to solve a problem, you're going to pick pretty big problems. So that's kind of how I view it. Fantastic. Wow. Well, you say it like it's so simple and it's just natural, but trust me, <laughs> a lot of people are listening like, yeah, I want to be that guy. I want to go do that. <laughs> so, so hopefully some of the story you're going to share with us today will help pave the way for others to do exactly that. Because it's a really big so. statement. Man, how valuable is that? It's really fantastic. So if you talk about all the sizes and styles that are available, and of course, all the manufacturers here or there. How will you guys affect making clothes more available to more people in a better way? Like, how does that net effect happen? Yeah. So, the thesis around Parallel, which is our consumer facing product we're building out of Pluto, is this idea of when you're wanting to know what size to buy, the best way to find out is to see someone with the same body dimensions as you. So, the same height, same weight, same chest size, same inseam. And just see what they're wearing and the size that they're wearing from that brand. And the issue with brands is everyone's heard of vanity sizing where they keep making, instead of having extra small, small, medium, large, and following that standard, they keep adding extra small, extra, extra small, extra, extra, extra small. And it's this mindset that a consumer, if you're a 21-year-old female, you don't want to be wearing a medium. You want to be wearing an extra small just because it sounds better. And so sizing has been skewed so much that size guides are completely useless. And so our thesis is we're going to show you someone with the same body size to you. You're going to see what they're wearing, the size that they're wearing, and then just buy that same item if you want that fit. We're going to get into how you use AI to measure bodies. But before we go there, is it doing what you just described only from people that have subscribed to Parallel and you've been able to get their body sizes? Or Mm -hmm. somehow is it also happening through people that are not? Yeah. So the fascinating thing about Parallel is all the content on the site is user-generated. So all the photos, all the measurements, all the data, it's all being uploaded from our users. And all the measurements are also being uploaded by our users. So we started out with a really obsessive user base and they began to tell their friends and we're now in 191 countries. So it's moving along quickly, but we are relying on our amazing users to tell other people to come to the site. How many users do you have now? Is that a piece of information you can share here? Yeah. So we're sitting at about 130,000. We've spent no money on marketing. We're a startup. We don't have a marketing budget. So it's all been a growth hack. And we've actually been leveraging TikTok, which has about 650,000 followers on our account. We get about a million views a day on our TikTok account. And that drives users from TikTok to our parallel website. And then a percentage signs up and then they become users on the site. Oh my God. We have an app as well. 
If I looked at a heat map on that, which continents are you prominently in? The funny thing is we almost have a, an even distribution around all the continents around the world. So wow. if you think of North America, Europe, Asia, Africa, we actually have sizable user bases in all those countries. And that shows when we lean into diversity and embracing diversity in different sizes around the world, Parallel is a product where you could be in Taiwan, Tokyo, Winnipeg, or LA, and you can all use the site. There's no boundaries. It's a global site. So I really find that fascinating. And the site's viewed in about 150 languages. So we're very international. We're very, very, very international. As you were describing the sizing changes that have happened over the last decades, and there's no universal sizing. To my knowledge, I don't know right. much about that industry, but there's not universal sizing because no matter what brand I go to, you can't take reference points from whatever you knew because it's just That's different. Right. And it seems to me... With what you're doing, 130,000, by the way, is an incredible start. Can I ask you when you got your first? Yeah. So we just launched the app last summer, but this time last year, we only had about 10 to 15,000. So I think it's pretty good. We're getting there. Well, it certainly is because this will be a snowball, right? It's going to yes. be harder to get to 130 than it will be to get a million three, right? I mean, that's right. It just builds up. So no doubt. And no, it's really good. But as you get a bigger library, I'll call it, of people, there's some obvious next plays there. Maybe we can speak to them a little bit. The brands are going to want to come and hug you. Like, yeah. how does that interaction potentially work? Brands are funny because until you get big enough, they don't care about you. But when yeah. you get big enough, then they love you and they want to be part of everything you're doing. And so we're kind of getting to that tipping point with a lot of brands. So for example, Aritzia, we have thousands and thousands of posts on our site of people around the world wearing Aritzia. And they've had millions of impressions on our site. And we have all this data about their users and waist size and inseam and everything. And we're getting to that point where we can, we should honestly be calling Aritzia and saying, hey, let's do something. But 10 months ago or 14 months ago, when we only had 200 posts, they wouldn't care about us. So I think it's just a tipping point that we'll have to get over. And then the brands will start to fall in place. Well, they'll fall in place for you, but then they can also change their model a little bit and actually start right. making clothes because you have one particular size that's most common. And they not only know the sizes, from what I understand, they know what they bought, what color, what style, and all of that. So you can reverse that's market right. it. The interesting data point is, so yes, we can tell Aritzia the average waist size of someone between the age of 25 and 30 wearing their latest pair of pants in Winnipeg is this, and it compares to someone in Vancouver or somewhere in England or London, and this is how it's different. But when you go a little bit deeper in the data, we can then say the users that are buying your latest pair of pants are really big fans of Converse because they're tagging Converse on our site as well. So if you're Aritzia and you're looking at expanding your marketing capacity and finding a new segment, we can actually tell you to go after the Converse wearing people in North America because that's actually your clientele as well. So the data is quite interesting. And if anyone knows any brands and wants to introduce us, we're happy to start talking. <laughs> you are also a data company, without any doubt. A very that's valuable right. one. If I've got a brand, the difference of the way I'm operating now where I'm getting, I don't know what the percentage of returns is, but I don't know if it's 50%, but it's substantial, yeah. whatever it is. If I can eliminate that and pick up new sales, I've done wonderful things for my company. So I will buy your data, right? I mean, that's really where it's going to go. And I think that that's just really brilliant. So there's a few places in what you've been saying where I can imagine AI coming into play and being used here. And I guess I want to go back a little bit because you started in AI in 2015, I think you said, is that accurate? 2018. 2018. Yeah. But it's five years ago now or five, six years mm -hmm. ago now, right? So maybe we can talk about how where you've applied it in the past. We know a little bit about that, but what aspects of this business now, parallel specifically, are you using AI in? Because it sounds like there's multiple spots for it. That's correct. So the core AI we started building almost six years ago is that body measurement technology. And what I can do is I'll just actually show you how we use that. Love and I that. can talk about the other places that we're using AI on the site. So for those listening on the podcast, we're just on the homepage of the site. We also have an app. And this is just a place where you can see other people that have uploaded their photos and have tagged their outfits and the items that they're wearing. 
And it's sort of an Instagram, Pinterest feel and a feed that's curated to what you want and, and your shopping preferences. I just want to say these are all modeling shots. I mean, these are your customers putting their images out here. And if you told me you were a brand and you paid to get all these shots, I would have believed you. So this is powerful <laughs> in itself. Yes, this is just our users posting what they're wearing and tagging those outfits. It's quite amazing. I'm going to jump into, you can sign up for Parallel. It's completely free. It's just like any other social media platform. And in your account, you have the ability to upload your measurements. I'm going to so jump join into- Parallel.io is what I'm seeing. Is that accurate? That's right. And join Parallel.io. It's on the iOS store and it's coming to Android in the next few weeks as well. So in your account, you have the option if you want to upload two photos of yourself. So a front-facing and a side-facing photo. And I'm just going to upload those for my system. And just a few comments about the photos. So the accuracy of the system is incredibly high. It's actually 98% accurate compared to a 3D body scanner. Wearing tight-fitting clothing does help the accuracy. And we realize that not everyone's comfortable wearing skin-tight clothing. So we built an AI module on top of our system that will accept more baggy clothing. So a baggier t-shirt, a hoodie, jeans, and the AI will actually infer your body measurements under that baggy clothing. So we wanted to build a system that everyone felt comfortable using. The pose, That's a good point. They're sending yeah. their pictures, their images to a stranger. So the screen we're looking at has someone that looks just like you, but is not you. This one, oh. this is me, actually. This is oh, me. That is you, actually. Okay. <laughs> looks like I'll call it a black bodysuit, which it probably is not, but it's just tight fitting from top to bottom, long sleeve. That's right. And the pose I'm standing in, it's called an A pose on the front side. And then I'm just standing with my arms by my side on the side shot. And we actually don't save those photos on our servers at all. So we have very strict data privacy laws that we follow, and we are very careful with users' data. So we don't save any of these photos. You enter your sex and you put your height in. And what will happen is you hit submit. And in a few seconds, we analyze those photos and we actually capture thousands of body dimensions behind the scenes. But when you're shopping, chest, sleeve, waist, inseam, and hips, those are the five core metrics that you need when you're shopping. And we generate those and we attach those measurements to your body. And these measurements are so accurate. I can take out a tape measure. I can measure my body and they're pretty much spot on. So where this actually helps you is when you're on Parallel and you're shopping on Parallel. So I'm going to jump into our shopping page. So we went over to a different page where you had choices between shirts or pants or anything else. And you just clicked on uh, shirts and it looks like it's all men, right? I think you click. Yeah, because you click male. Yes. So we're seeing all men now. And I'm going to click into a post. Here's Jonah. And I'm going to click in and I can actually compare his body measurements to my body measurements. So you can see across height, chest, sleeve, hips, waist, and seam, we're pretty similar in measurements. We're off by about an inch on some of these measurements. But what that tells me is how clothing fits Jonah will fit me in a very similar way. So Jonah has linked up his items and I can click through right to the retailer and I can buy that shirt or that watch or that pair of pants. Well, I'm going to go backwards a little bit. Mm -hmm. So there was two rows there. One was Jonah's and one was Chris's. And it showed the five mm -hmm. measurements, might've been six, actually five or six measurements, three, six of them, height, 510, height, 510, chest, 38, chest, 40, sleeve, 23, sleeve, 22. So they're all very close. So you can take that into account, but you can see exactly what it is. And then from there you clicked on, what was that? Yeah. So if I want to buy the same t-shirt that Jonah's wearing, He's linked it up. So I would just hit buy now. And this is going to take me to the RW website. And this shirt is out of stock. So let me go back because I think he posted this post last month. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to jump into Jonah's profile. And he recently uploaded a Jimi Hendrix t-shirt. Look at that. So he is wearing a size large t-shirt. I'm going to click the buy now if I want to wear this same t-shirt. And he's linked it up. And I can go right through and buy this t-shirt. It's on sale. It's 10 bucks. And I would buy a size large because that's what Jonah's wearing. And the ship to the credit card or however they're paying and all that, that's all built into parallel, correct? Yeah. So at the moment, we actually, we pass you off completely to the retailer. So all the purchasing, all that is still taken care of by the retailer. Got it. And we're just simply a middleman helping you find your next outfit. Got it. Yeah. Because there was a company... A number of years ago now, they actually were on Shark Tank at a certain point, and they used 
I'll call it AI. They used your own cell phone to take some photos. But the difference was they actually manufactured the clothes. I don't know if they're around right now. They actually are doing quite well, but I haven't heard of them in a few years. But they're actually manufacturing clothes. So what you've done here is a different play. It's a purely, I'll call it tech play. Do you want to define it in a different way? Yes, that's a good way to put it. Yeah. So it's scalable and expandable to even more countries than you're in now and more markets. So I think that that's pretty amazing. Yeah. And we work with thousands of brands. So any brand on the internet, if someone buys your product and links to it through our site, people can shop it. So there's no limitations on scale and opportunity. It's, it's every brand in the world and every user. People ask me, so who's Parallel for? And the answer is anyone that wears clothing can use Parallel. So that should answer it. Fantastic. So the original question was what aspects are using AI in? Obviously, the measurements is what we just focused on. So it's amazing for that. You've got that nailed. Is there any other parts of the business you're using AI in? Yeah, people might be surprised at how many AI components a platform like Parallel has. So all those recommendation feeds, when we're serving you content for you to buy, that's all AI generated based on what you've been looking at, the brands you've been wearing, the price points you're buying. So all those feeds in the site are curated to you very much like Instagram or TikTok. On the back end, we're using AI for fraud detection and where abuse might be happening on the site. We're using AI to leverage that technology in those areas. And then analysis on photos and moderation. So all the content coming into our site, we moderate it. We want to have a site that's usable, that you can shop from. And when people upload pictures of their cat or their toaster, that's not quite the place for our site. So we use AI for content moderation. So almost in every asset of our business, we actually are using AI behind the scenes. Fantastic. And I think... Talk to me about opportunities for entrepreneurship for those people outside of Parallel that want to get involved. I think you've got some opportunities there. The fascinating component about Parallel is we've essentially lowered the bar for anyone that wants to be a creator. So anyone that has the photo of themselves can become a creator on Parallel. You can be an entrepreneur. We have some people that after school, they go to the mall, they're taking photos in Aritzia's change room. They leave the store, they haven't bought a thing, they go home and they upload everything to Parallel and you now have someone who's an Aritzia model and they're beginning to build a business around that. And the way that our site is set up is we have affiliate partnerships with thousands of brands. So when you upload a photo to Parallel and someone buys through your post, we get a commission back from the brand and we give that commission to our creators. So a lot of our creators are now becoming models and monetizing their outfits on parallel. So it's quite an interesting loop. And if you, once again, if you're wearing clothing and have a photo of yourself, you can become an entrepreneur and a, and a creator on parallel. That's absolutely brilliant. It's just fantastic. So they're earning, I'll call it cash credits. Is that what they're earning? Is there tokenization on this? Or is it credits with parallel versus credits with the individual manufacturer? And do they typically get end up with some kind of cash check or do they just get credits and be able to buy their clothes? All of those questions. At the moment, you just get uh, cash into your PayPal account. In the future, we're looking at opportunities to do tokenization or purchasing within brands. But at the moment, we're still... The whole site, we only started building Parallel about two years ago. So it's very, very, very fresh. But at the moment, we just will send you PayPal money. <laughs> wow. Two years though. I mean, look how much you've done in two years. That's an amazing build. Yeah. I have an amazing team. There's 13 how of us. You? There's 13. And I'm the dumbest person in my company, which is amazing because I only hire people smarter than me, which is easy to do. And it's just an amazing, amazing team of full stack engineers, machine learning engineers, marketing, biz dev growth. And they're really the brains behind the actual the site. And I'm just the puppet at the front showing off what they do. It sounded like you mentioned affiliate marketing there. So you guys are already generating some revenue. Is that accurate? We are. One of our investors, she helped sell Honey, which is the Chrome extension that helped you find coupons when purchasing online. She helped that sale from Honey to PayPal for $4 billion. So she's one of our investors on the team. And she just has just extensive knowledge about affiliate network and affiliate monetization. So I've brought on to my team and my investor side people with very deep knowledge in the domains that we're playing in. And affiliate marketing is a big space that we're in. Fantastic. 
What I'm curious about you, what are your days filled with actual coding and tech designing, or is it running the business and doing other things? What does your typical day look like? Going back to my thesis of only hiring people smarter than me, I've been good. I have not pulled my repo. I don't have the repo on my site, so I'm not doing any coding. To satisfy that, I'll sit beside my developers and I'll bug them as they're writing code and I'll be watching their lines and giving them suggestions. And then I'll realize I should probably go do something that I'm supposed to be doing. So at the moment, we're just wrapping up our seed rounds. I've done a ton of investment raising over the last 12 months. I lead all my team. So whether it's the development teams or the marketing team or the growth team, I'm planning out all their schedules and the targets that we want to get to. I'm very deep. I'm deep in the data, the the KPIs. I'm working with the team. I'm having very, very, very deep meetings with the guys, but I'm also doing corporate taxes and legal. And I'm, I'm the definition of wearing many, many, many hats at the business. And so every day is much different than the last. And it's really at, at the end of the day, just keeping the glue of the company together as it keeps going down the pipeline. It sounds like you actually are working out of a physical office. Is that correct? That's right. Yeah, we have an office. On Fridays, we work from home. It's sort of one day of the week that the guys in the summer, they work from home. They get off usually early in the afternoon, like right about now. But we've been in the office the whole time. And even through COVID, we had the right protocols in place. If anyone felt sick, you would test, you'd stay home, get checked. But we worked in the office all through COVID and we had no COVID cases for two and a half years. And so we just, when you have the right measures in place and you have people that you trust, you can work around these issues. So all 13 of you come into the office. Is that accurate? That's right. The office, it's what you would imagine a tech company is. There's dogs, there's beer on tap, there's Red Bull in the fridge. But on the flip side, everyone's working really, really hard. Some nights we've been there till midnight, 2 a.m. And it's a definition of a tech startup, but we have deadlines and it's a tech startup. And if you don't make enough progress, you're going to run out of money. And so there is pressure to get stuff done. It's not just fun and good times every day, but we make sure we have some fun occasionally. (laughs) So when you said that you started this two years ago, it's amazing to me because that level of build and what it took and designing the company and getting your investors, getting your board, your, your advisors, that for 24 months is amazing. And I'm wondering, could you have done that if you were all virtual? Or do you think that being in a physical space, all 13 of you made a substantial difference? I think it's the reason we have been successful and is the reason we will be successful going forward. There's a special spark you have when you're in the same space. And that spark, people that start a company will understand this magical spark where Every day is really hard. Every day you have challenges of people hacking the website or people trying to game the system. And you have all these really, really difficult situations to solve. And when you're there in the same place with everyone, it just makes it a little bit easier to get through those days. And I've built a culture for me. Culture is everything. It's the most important thing. And when you build a culture where people actually want to be with other teammates in the same place... It allows you to have a little bit more productive output and you can work a little bit harder and you can push those eight hour days to nine hour days because the guys want to be there for nine hours. It's not me forcing them to be there for nine hours. So that magical spark, you can't replicate over Zoom. If you're a massive, massive company, sure, have remote people. But if you're 13 people, the speed we move at, you just can't match. In the early days, we were pushing to production. So deploying new code to the website six, seven times a day. So our iteration cycles are very, 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 very fast. And so the speed we move at is it's, we have to, we'll get eaten alive if we don't. Well, I concur completely. And there's one aspect that you didn't bring up, but I think it's very, very relevant. And that is the creative side. Virtual, you can do tasks, right? Mm -hmm. Each person has their tasks. They'll do their tasks. You'll check in. He'll spend a minute or an hour together and say, okay, we did this task and away you go. Being in a physical room, especially with a startup where creativity is really important and it's collaborative creativity, it is those conversations that you think are going to be nothing. They're not even important. And all of a sudden, something gold comes out of it, right? right? And I would say that back in the day that used to happen in happy hour after everybody left the office, same thing. There was certain magics that came from it. And that... To me, you cannot get that virtually. And it's something we're all struggling with. How do you do that dance? But it sounds like you nailed it. 
It's more often than people realize the comment that the intern or the junior developer makes just as a side comment in the office that turns into being spot on and you implement that idea right away. And so I agree with you, those the very focused Zoom meetings, you don't get that very just natural conversation and idea generation. So I'm all for being in person. That's super great. So we're going to back and focus on AI a little bit, right? And AI is going to be shaping all industries. I was going to say most. It's really all industries, most products, most services even, I'll say. And how do you think that moving forward, AI is going to be shaping the field of social commerce, which is really what you've endeavored into? The challenge in today's, I guess, online domain, especially with shopping is there are so many options. There's more brands than ever now. Shopify makes it so easy for anyone to start a brand. And there's actually consumer overload on what should I buy and what's good quality, what's not really good quality. And where AI, and this is where Parallel is actually really fitting into this nicely, is instead of searching Google black t-shirt, the recommendation, the filters, it's really not tailored for a really good shopping experience. And so there's an opportunity, this is what we see, that we can fill that void of easy, simple shopping experience where you're not overloaded with 10 million products, but because we know you and we know your body size and what you like in different brands, we can actually say, hey, here are four t-shirts across four different brands that we really think you would like. Here's the price point. They've been on sale for two weeks. Feel free to buy them if you want. And so I feel like AI is going to really simplify the shopping process because right now you can be shopping on Instagram and TikTok and Pinterest and actually on the brand real sites. And it's just, there's so much. And I think simplicity is really important for a consumer. Agreed. So where do you see, I mean, Parallel's grown so fast and no doubt you have a roadmap without goals, you flounder. You obviously are really good on setting goals. Where do you see Parallel, say by the end of 24, the end of next year? I would love to get to a million users. It's just sort of a vanity benchmark that allows you to show up on the scene and say, hey, it's the same issue you have with brands where when you're small, no one really takes you seriously. And a million users is sort of a vanity metric that where people say, hey, this seems to be working. And it's been working many years before that, but that's sort of a vanity goal we want to get to. And I think at the end of the day, we're trying to build an environment where no matter what body size you are, you feel comfortable posting on parallel. And we have individuals that wear three extra large, four extra large sizing And we've built a community where they feel comfortable posting on Parallel. They don't feel comfortable posting on Instagram. They don't feel comfortable posting on Like to Know. And so we want to build an environment where people feel safe and they can shop and find what they want in one place and really get to a million users at the end of the day. And then we can kind of keep moving up after that. Yeah, I'll go back to my earlier comment. You're 13% of the way there. And that first 13% is certainly the most difficult. So I throw down a nickel and say that you're going to get that well before the end of 24. So I completely concur. So pardon the pun a little bit, but parallel with parallel, you have Pluto Ventures. Are you paralleling at this time and doing other projects? Or I'm sure you will be at a certain point. How are you doing over there at Pluto Ventures outside of parallel? Parallel was developed three and a half years after Pluto started. And the initial thought with the technology was we would build an API for enterprise integration into a variety of industries. So healthcare, insurance, commerce, and we would just be a backend support tool that provides value to the customer on body measurements. And what we sort of found was, I think we were honestly too early for a lot of those industries at the time. This was back in 2018, 2019, 2020. And so we focus 100% on parallel. When I build a company, I do believe focusing on a niche is the best option to be successful. A lot of people go too wide too soon, and then they get resources are stretched and it doesn't work. So we are 100% focused on parallel, but we do have the opportunity in the future coming up to use our AI body measurement system as an API call for other systems. But that's not really a focus. My investors like when I'm focused and we're going to stay focused on parallel. I love that. So focusing on AI, 
are there other AI domains you're in right mm -hmm. now, or is it really the answer you just gave kind of packages it? It sounds like your focus is really parallel right now, and that's what you're doing. It seems like the right thing to do, by the way, based on what you've described. We see a lot of opportunity continuing to dive into the vision AI, I guess, sphere where for the body measurements, we're doing image analysis at the end of the day and extracting body measurements from the photos. And as you keep going down that path, when you think about shopping and people uploading photos of what they're wearing, there's lots of opportunities to use AI for helping to detect products and photos, colors, patterns, and to really simplify the user experience on the creator side. And that's kind of where we're heading. There's a lot to be done on that side. And just even understanding if the person is happy in a photo. And Instagram has been doing this for many, many years, but vibes and feelings and emotions can be extracted from a photo. And so if someone is searching, let's say on parallel for fun summer dresses, using the word fun is actually a very difficult thing to bring up search results for because no one's tagging fun when they're uploading a photo, but you can extract fun from the scenery, the person, the emotion from that photo. So there's a lot that can be done because what we're seeing from users is that you're not just searching for very simple black Jimi Hendrix t-shirt. You're searching for what can I wear to go to a concert? And so that's where the complexity of the search is evolving to. And you have to use AI to really fill the void of data to actually provide results for those more complicated search results. Parallel is going to be busy for many years to come. It's oh, really, yeah. you, you, you just showed how many years and years of work there is to do and just loving every day as you're going through it is amazing. Oh yeah, love super, it. Super, super great. We're going to shift a little bit and we're going to go into AI wants to know. And this is where we get to know you a little bit better. AI by nature, it's built on curiosity, which we all are curious or we wouldn't be here. These are 10 quick questions designed to uncover intriguing mysteries that AI longs to comprehend, but can't quite grasp. Think of it as snack break in the journey. So keep the answers quick, but the safety belt sign, it's off. So let's explore more of who you are and really what makes you tick. You ready for this? You bet. All right, here we go. What's the first thing you ever remember being proud of? Cutting my first lawn when I was six years old. <laughs> Born entrepreneur. <laughs> what do you need help with that you wish you didn't? I'm probably not located in the right city to be building a tech company. Winnipeg doesn't have an abundance amount of tech companies around. So I wish that I was in a city where I could just walk down the street, like in San Francisco, LA, Boston, wherever it might be. And there's 20 tech companies on that street. There might be 10 tech companies in all of Winnipeg. So it's a pretty small ecosystem here. I'm sorry. I got to drop a comment. It's why you're so focused. Those are just distractions. <laughs> So I think That's Winnipeg right. is a perfect answer. You have 13 <laughs> perfect people building an amazing company. I wouldn't I would look elsewhere. <laughs> what do others often look to you for, for help with? I've now started a few companies and I think I have a really good understanding of how to go from zero to one, from idea to whatever one people believe is, which is first MVP or product market fit, whatever that might be. But that early stage, which is usually pretty hectic and pretty hard, I feel like I have a pretty good path to walk through that and not to drive yourself insane. Fabulous. And what do you treasure most about your human abilities? I have a really high level of grit. I can withstand a lot of stress, a lot of like uneasy situations and kind of just coast on through. I don't get mad. I don't yell. I just sort of am neutral the whole way through. So my emotions don't really swing up and down. I think from a vanity perspective, I really like my hair. I'm thankful I have a full head of hair still. So that's kind of a weird two cents. <laughs> I'm with you there. <laughs> you as well. <laughs> well, I don't my take dad it for kept granted. all of his all the way into his 90s. So uh... <laughs> I don't take it for granted. No, that's exactly right. So what is the most consistent thing about you throughout your whole life? I think my temper and I think my drive for working and being successful. Like I said, I was working when I was five, six, cutting lawns with my brothers. And 25 years later, I'm still working 18-hour days on a Friday. So I like to work. All right. Well, we know it stayed the same. But number six is, what's changed the most throughout your life? I think my ability to assess a situation and not make an impulse decision and being able to actually understand. We were sort of talking a little bit before the segment. When you have an employee that maybe comes in 
late or seems not to be working to the full capacity that they can be, to not assume that anything, but instead to ask them, how are you doing? Is there anything I can help with? And taking a step back and not always assuming the worst that they're trying to not do any work and they're trying to like leave the company sort of stuff. So I think just patience and kind of taking a step back and always kind of assessing a situation maybe twice. It's something that a lot of people either learn too late or don't learn at all. But the way I try and sum that up is be the question, not the answer. Be the question. That's right. What do you find strangest about reality? I have a weird obsession with space. I have a science background. I think the concept of space is fascinating. The size of it is fascinating. And when you do think about how small you are in space and how small sometimes things are making you upset, you really have really no impact at the end of the day and may just be you being, for lack of better words, kind of dumb at the end of the day. So I think understanding the perspective is important and then realizing how big space and time is, is just mind boggling. Makes plenty of sense. When most recently do you remember feeling alive, that feeling we've all gotten at times where you just feel the most alive? Throughout the journey of a business, there's all these moments I always talk about that are so thrilling. And so for Parallel, the first hundred users, that was just fascinating. The first time we got to a thousand users, the first time we had so many users, our servers overloaded on AWS and the whole site crashed. Those moments, it's almost in moments of uh, chaos, I feel really alive because it's showing that it's working, that if you have enough people breaking your site, it's working. It's good. But yeah, we broke all of our servers last summer many times and oh, that was exciting. Oh my gosh. It does leave me. There's a question I should have asked you earlier. I'm going to hit it now. How did you get your first 20? Ah, Manually messaging people and saying, not saying, begging them to sign up. The misconception is when you launch a product, people think that you will post it on social media and a million people will flock to you and everything's going to be fine. The reality is you will have to convince your parents to sign up and you will have to take their phone and say, I'm going to sign up for you. So the first 20 users, we basically begged, please, please, please sign up. Uh, It was actually the first 500 users we begged to sign up. And then all it takes is one of them to say, hey, this is cool. I'm going to tell some of my friends. And then 10 more people come on. And that's how you keep going. Yeah, it makes complete sense. It completely aligns. By the way, that was question number eight. So you're almost out of the hot seat. But what's your most unique trait? I have a strong ability to... I guess, built in a sense to do lists and to actually execute and to be doing 10 things at once, all in sequence, and still for those 10 different things, be doing 100% focus on every single one of them. So my ability to be managing 13 people in sequence at the same time, all different projects to all align into the same end goal, which is six, 12 months out, I'm starting to realize is a unique ability. And the way that I operate is, is very natural to me to do that. So I don't have any stress waking up trying to manage 13 people smarter than myself. There you go. Fantastic. All right. This is your last question here. If you weren't human, what would you be? I always had a fascinating interest in both tigers, monkeys, and penguins. Kind of weird. I think curiosity is another strong trait of mine. And monkeys have a very high level of curiosity as well. Curious George is always a favorite book of mine growing up. So I'd probably be a monkey. (laughs) I get it. I did spend some time around some chimps and they are that curious about everything. Don't turn your back. Very very (laughs) curious. Yes. Yes. (laughs) All right. We're going to head into the next segment and we'll talk about AI leaders and influences. So go ahead and highlight some of the leading individuals, projects, organizations that influence you or that people might just want be interested in following? I think there's the obvious Elon Musk and Sam Altman. Elon Musk is obviously running a million companies now, it seems like, and everything from SpaceX to Tesla to X, I guess, as of today, it's not Twitter, it's X, and then all his other companies. And then Sam Altman, who was the president of Y Combinator for many years, and now is leading OpenAI, which is the company behind ChatGPT, which I think almost everyone now in the world has heard about. And I think those two are the very uh, prominent in your face, in the press every day, AI leaders, that if you're an AI, you can't not watch them and follow them and see what they're working on. And 
I think what's really interesting about AI is there's so many people behind the scenes that you don't realize. Software engineers, software developers, by nature of them, they're very quiet, typically introverted type people that aren't looking for accolades and being on the front page of the paper. And so there's a lot of very quiet people behind the scenes that are actually moving the ball along. And we're very fortunate. I'm very fortunate. One of my investors, he's considered the godfather of AI. He's based in Toronto and he actually, he doesn't really want his name mentioned in the press. And he has a few books out there that he's written about AI. And he's someone that when you think about the last 20 years, he's actually moved the ball of AI along behind the scenes. And so I think you have to keep in mind that Elon Musk himself is not building neural networks at night. There's some 25-year-old engineer sitting in a Winnipeg office tweaking nodes and tweaking data sets. And that's actually the progression of AI will come from that guy. Yeah, for sure. And my hat's off to the godfather of AI you described. And he's obviously done all that he's done egoless. And that's just so powerful in itself. And the fact that you'd love to shout his name out, but you're respecting him and you don't says so much about him. So I just kind of love it. Who's influenced you the most, both within the world of AI and maybe outside too? And I was going to say business in general, but doesn't have Mm -hmm. to be. It's just when we want to recognize someone that's had an impact, whether it was a direct personal impact or through the work that they've done. There's specifically three senior machine learning engineers at my company that started with me at the beginning. So Yun, Jesse, and Dami. And when I hired them, As I sort of mentioned before, I was self-taught on the full stack development side, but I was quite lacking on the AI side. And I wanted to build an AI technology company. And I knew that I had to get myself up to speed, one, so I could talk to these guys that know way more about me, but how will I be able to lead them if I don't understand their world and their terminology? So those three guys specifically, I would ask the stupidest questions a million times over and over and over again with them. And I'd be like, like, why are you doing that? Like, what's that epoch? And like, what's overfitting? And I kept asking and kept asking. And quite honestly, I mean, yes, technically I was their boss and they were working with me, but they were so patient and they would explain in extensive detail what they were doing. Quite honestly, they were my teachers and I would go away. I would read articles. I'd watch YouTube videos. I'd come back to the office the next day and I'd be like, hey guys, I saw this, I read this, like, what does that mean? So I think I seeked out people that quite honestly could teach me and I built my team around that. And then on the other side of the business side, I think at the end of the day, my parents and my family, massive supporters in what I do. None of them had a business background. My dad's a physician, my mom's a trained architect, but been a stay-at-home mom for 35 years there was no really way for them to support me from a business perspective, but they supported me in other ways. And people always joked about this, but my mom would make me lunch when I'd go to work when I was 27. And people would laugh about that. And I would say, yes, but my mom making my lunch gave me 10 minutes more that day to be writing emails. And that was how she was able to support me. And that is sort of, I think people don't really appreciate that you may not have someone that's directly supporting you, But coming home to a warm dinner from your wife, that is support. And that's a very different type of support. Well, it sounds like your parents may be uh, another great reason to stay in Winnipeg. Yeah, (laughs) that's why I'm here. (laughs) Yeah. So if we've missed anybody, anybody you want to give a shout out to that deserves it in your world or that you could think of that we haven't handled? And certainly if you want to share their Twitter handle, anything else? Some of my early investors, Ty, Ivan, Amir, Sam, They invested when it was just an idea five years ago. And it was just purely, you have this crazy idea, Chris, we want to help you. We're going to give some investment. And then along the way, all my other investors that have come on board across the whole spectrum, has just been a lot of support. There's a lot of support in Winnipeg. There's a lot of organizations that have been really helpful. And I think at the end of the day, I got married a year ago. I've been with my wife now. We've been together for nine and a half years. And Leah has put up with my shit for nine and a half years. And when we started dating, I was writing the MCAT. I was going into medicine. That did not happen. Now I'm here. And for the last nine and a half years, she had been so supportive. She has never, I had been home late by like six hours. I've been just like totally off on things. And she's never complained. She's always there, always supportive, always willing. When I come home, give me a hug. No matter what happened at work that day, doesn't matter. It's like, 
she just wants me to be home and just yeah it's just she's amazing that's why i married her so <laughs> congratulations on being a newlywed it sounds fantastic and there's three levels that could go and you described the helpful side it's just you're with someone the way you work she's making your days better more productive in all that's those right. ways you can also have relationships where it's neutral nothing negative but it's mm -hmm. neutral but you're not getting the extra support and then we can also have those relationships where it's taking the energy away and it sounds like you just nailed this and congratulations to you for her and Thank her you. for you, you, by the way. So yes. Yeah. Pretty amazing. Let's shift into the AI resource list. So this is where I'm going to ask you to share a handful of your sort of favorite resources in AI. Think about all of our watchers and listeners that are in the world or wanting to get in the world. So it could be websites, applications, books, podcasts, learning tools. If there's any of those you can share to help their journey. All my software machine learning engineers, they've all gone through the deep learning Stanford online course. It's CS231N is the actual course number. And there's a whole bunch of lectures. There are about hour, hour 20 lectures. I think there's about 15 to 16 of them. And they basically take you through the course of being a newbie in machine learning engineer. They walk you through all the concepts all the different terminology, all the different models and data sets and different structures and everything. And they all did this course and it really projects you into the AI field. And that's kind of a good resource educational piece. I do have to say having some foundation to do when you do that course is beneficial. So having a computer science degree, computer engineering degree, or being self-taught on the coding side is going to be beneficial. It's not just a course I would recommend a business student takes. So that's a very, very, very good practical course online. And there's an immense amount of websites these days where you can go to the website and you can just begin to play with models in real time. One of those is called, the URL is playground.tensorflow.org. And it's this really cool website where you can add different nodes. You can adjust the epoch, the data input, data output. You can adjust all these settings around a neural network, which is the core component of AI and machine learning. And you can see how when you add more nodes to a neural network, you can see how that affects the data output. And so there's lots of really hands-on tools these days where six years ago, there actually weren't as many as you would think. And so I think you have to have a little bit of that curiosity that a monkey has and search Google for these tools to, to kind of get you up to speed if you want to dive into AI. That sounds like a great time. Playground.tensor with an O-R, tensorflow.org. Sounds fantastic. So how about some AI tips, right? A lot of us have been playing with the different AI programs that the mass markets are utilizing now. Is there any tips you can throw down to us that'll help the way we're utilizing them? Coming from a full stack development background into machine learning, there was a few things that I was naive about that we learned really, really quickly. So first of all, the development cycle lifetime of an AI project is much different than, let's just say you're building a website. So building a website, there's almost a clear start and end point, and you can like launch the website, people use it, it's going to work. With AI, there's not really a finite end point. You start the project, but the end really comes down to what your level of completeness is done. What level of accuracy do you want? And you may be chasing 1% of accuracy increase for an extra year or two. And so it comes down to a question of, does it make sense? And that's kind of my next comment is when you're striving for perfection and definitely that is difficult in computer science and computer engineering, because there's always bugs, there's always issues happening with a traditional website, you can get to a point of it works, it makes sense. But with AI, and I've had my engineers have to get better at this, and they have gotten better at this, is they ask the question, is this good enough? Because it will drive you insane trying to get that last piece of perfection. And so you have to really have a different mindset. The other thing from an AI perspective, and my developers have told me this, is you may go two, three, four, seven, eight, nine months without getting a win under your belt. And mentally, that can be very difficult. You could be working for longer, two, three years on a project, and you never have that win where you're satisfying that sort of that human nature that you need to keep going. 
Whereas when you're building a website, if you get that sign up button in, that's a win. If you get that form in, that's a win. If you get the homepage working, that's a win. So from a mental perspective and kind of a psychological perspective, if you're like me running an AI team, you may have to start to realize my team needs faster wins or they're going to burn themselves out. And that's something that we are very aware of now. The guys went three and a half years with no win until they turn on the engine and it worked. And it was an amazing win, but it took three and a half years to get that's, there. So that makes too so long. much sense. It's such a big journey. And it may not have been too long, but it's too long to go without hitting the champagne cork moment, right? That's right. It's just a long time to wait. I was talking to an artist the other day and I said to him, I could never be an artist. I'm talking about a painter, someone that draws and does physical manual dexterity art. And I said, I can never be an artist because I've always got to do one more brushstroke mm-hmm. and I'm not going to stop until I ruin it, unfortunately. And his comment was, he goes, that's why we sign our art. When you put your signature (laughs) on it, you're done. And I thought that was, they even got their, their sort of closing. So, and so is there anything we haven't covered here? Anything come to mind for you? Anyone you want to mention at all that we haven't covered? I want to touch really briefly on the fear that people have with AI and kind of where AI is at. So everyone thinks that AI is going to take over your job and everyone's going to be jobless. That's not the case. Do you have a very practical use case of AI? My developers, who I still need, they use AI as a superpower. So when they get stuck on a problem, a math equation, they just need help to get over that. Traditionally, you would have spent maybe a half day or a day trying to solve that one problem. Now they have ChatGPT. They can ask that one question. They get their answer and they keep moving on. So all my engineers that have five, six, seven years of experience, it's now like they have... 20, 30 years experience, and they have the superpower. I think what's really interesting, and I think where people are a little hesitant, and I agree with this, is at the moment, AI has really no emotional side to it. It doesn't understand incentives and wants. And AI is not going to destroy the world tomorrow. I think there's a misconception around that. I think we have to start to become careful When you start to train AI systems to understand emotions and feelings and what humans want and what the earth wants, and if you can start to manipulate that, I think that's where it's an interesting component of AI. So for instance, let me give you an example. We know that humans need money to live. It's a necessity. You need to buy food. If an AI system understood that humans, in a sense, rely on money to survive, and you want to cause harm with AI, you may train an AI to understand that if I can take away money from people, I have a way to destroy humanity. And I think those are kind of the challenges of, well, if the AI starts to understand, well, the banking institution is where the money is housed. If I can get into that, if I can destroy that, that will destroy you. Like, that's kind of where I think the next level of AI has to be a little bit more thought about is when you start to have sort of a human perception behind the AI. And I think that's where people haven't quite got to yet on the development side. Really a good point. Control the money, control the people, right? So that's right. I hadn't heard anybody bring that up in this around AI, but I think you're exactly right. It makes a lot of sense. Krishmit, you've been amazing. Where can listeners go to learn more about you or follow you and your projects? And also, What's your ask? What could people do if they're as impressed as I am as what you're working on is parallel and how could they support? You can find me across all the platforms, LinkedIn, Instagram, I guess, Facebook, people still use that. Feel free to connect. Always happy to connect and chat with anyone. Quite honestly, if you want to sign up for parallel and tell me what you think, I love user feedback. We crave it. We want people to tell us what they think. And yeah, that's pretty much, that'd be the main ask is come connect with me on social media. And uh, go use Parallel and go find the next outfit. Why don't you yourself. throw a couple of those handles out there? Yeah. Chris Schmidt would be C H R I S. And last name is S C H M I D T. And my handle on Instagram would be underscore Chris Schmidt. On LinkedIn, it's just Chris Schmidt. And Facebook is also just Chris Schmidt. So those would be the main ones. And then Parallel, social media would be the handles would be Join Parallel. And that would be across TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, all those platforms. And the website is joinparallel.io. And then it's also in the iOS store, Apple iOS store, and it's coming to Android in the next few weeks. Fantastic. And thanks so much for taking the time with us today. We've loved every minute of it. It's time for another safe landing at Outer Edges of the AI universe for today. This is Ron Levy. And on behalf of our guest and the entire crew, 
I'd like to thank you for choosing to voyage with us today. We wish you a safe and enjoyable continuation of your journey. When you come back aboard, make sure to bring a friend. Our starship is always ready for more adventures. Head over to Spotify or iTunes right now. Rate us and share your thoughts. Your support and feedback mean the world to us. Don't forget to visit edgeofai.co to learn more. And then connect with us on all the major social platforms by searching for edgeof underscore AI. Join the conversations that are happening online, which you'll find there. Before we sign off, mark your calendars for our next voyage. We'll be continuing to unravel the mysteries and advancements of AI. Until then, see ya. The views and opinions expressed on Edge of AI reflect solely those views and opinions of the show hosts and its guests. Please make sure to do your own research. While we make every effort to ensure that the information about AI technology is accurate and up-to-date, we cannot guarantee its accuracy, completeness, or timeliness. We make no representations or warranties of any kind with respect to the information, products, or services discussed. Please be aware AI may occasionally generate incorrect or misleading information and produce offensive or biased content. Under no circumstances shall we be liable for any loss or damage, including without limitation, indirect or consequential loss or damage, or any loss or damage arising from loss of data or profits arising out of or in connection with the use of technology discussed on our podcast. Additionally, our show is not financial advice. You understand that you are using any and all information available on or through this podcast at your own risk. Whenever making financial decisions, we recommend doing your own research and talking to your accountant for financial advice. Lastly, time to time, we may feature sponsored content on the show for which we receive value, and we may share links for which we receive a commission if you make a purchase through one of these links. Refer to our website, edgeofai.xyz, for our full disclaimer, terms and conditions, privacy policy, and copyright notice.